the way I like to prepare for sermons is I like to orient myself in understanding that I have something to learn here. This is something that I'm feeding from, something that I'm growing in. And so when Pastor Jeff asked me to preach from Matthew 11, uh, 25 through 30, I was looking forward to it because I'm tired. <laughs> uh, to be straightforward, I, I am really tired. When, when, when Greg brought up the pillows, I was just like, well, I, I might, might as well just like lie down in the pillows and give the sermon. Um, I wake up at 3 a.m. to go to work. And I usually work until noon. On, on the weekends, I'll work until 1. And so no matter how early you wake up, how early you go to bed, um, waking up that early doesn't mean you actually get any rest. And so also my wife, my wife works an incredibly hard job, and, and she works upwards of 50 hours a week. So looking at this, I'm like, all right, if Christ is saying, come unto him and, and he'll give me rest, I'm, I'm all for this. I'm, I'm willing to learn. Um, but as I started, started studying this passage, something occurred to me. You, you know when you, um, you hear something over and over again, you read something over and over again to where you, it, it becomes just commonplace. You don't even really think about it until you actually think about it and you're like, wait a second, well, wait, what are you saying? Because as you read it, all right, um, I'm going to say in the King James because that's how I actually memorized it. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Great. And I will give you rest. Even better. Take my yoke upon you and learn. Okay, wait. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's great. Take my yoke. What kind of rest comes with a yoke? Like, when you think about rest, do you think about a farm instrument that you put on yourself and you use for labor? No, you don't think about that. So, I'm, so as I'm studying this, I'm like, okay, Christ, what are you actually saying here? What kind of rest needs a yoke? So this morning, we're, we're just going to go through the passage and talk about three basic things. One, who is Christ talking to? And what is he saying by talking to this particular group of people? Two, what kind of rest needs a yoke? And three, what's the purpose of the yoke and the rest? Because there is a purpose for it. We're actually going to start in verse 28 and move to verse 30 because I feel that verse 28 through 30 actually explains 25 through 27. And so we begin in verse 28. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. So there's an imperative here in come. It's it's a call to action. And it's a call to action to come, but not to come to anybody, you know, else. It's to come unto Christ. Christ is the focal point. Christ is the one you come to. And then it says, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Now, it's kind of self-explanatory, right? Heavy laden, you're you're burdened, you're weighed down. The word there actually means putting something on you that makes it hard to move forward. The word labor there also can be be defined as weary, which in the Greek expresses this thought of an activity or a way of life that saps the energy and saps the will to move forward out of you. So there's a particular group of people Christ is talking to here. Those who, who are burdened and those who are having the life energy sucked out of them as they can try to continue to move forward. But then he does something peculiar here, and Christ does this throughout the scriptures. There's a particular group of people, but then he uses the small word before that of all. 
And what is Christ therefore saying? He's saying that universally we all are heavy laden. Universally we are all weary. In our own particular ways, every single person in these pews has different things that are weighing them down, has different portions of their lives that are actually drawing energy and drawing the will to go forward out of them. He's also saying, therefore, that this is actually kind of normal. Positive message this morning. You're weary, you're heavy laden. (laughs) But what Christ is actually saying here is this. Not all these things that weigh you down or that make you weary are actually bad. They're actually part of life. How can I say this? One, he doesn't tell you to cast those burdens off. In other passages of Scripture, he'll actually say that, cast off your burdens, cast them on me, cast your cares upon me. But here he doesn't say that. You're still holding on to those those burdens. Because there are normal burdens in life that you have to hold. There are normal things that weigh you down. There are responsibilities in life that this is just reality. Also, notice there's no condemnation here. There's no condemnation for being weary. There's no condemnation for being burdened. If you look at the passage above this, Christ is actually talking to um, two cities. He says, Woe to you, Bethsaida and Chorazin. He has condemnation for these cities because he did miraculous things in them and they still rejected the Son of God. But here, to the weary, to those who are burdened, there is no condemnation. He simply comes to them and says, I want to give you rest. Which expresses the reality that we are all weary, we are all burdened by things that aren't necessarily bad. For example, um, your job. Okay, maybe you do have a bad job and it's just wearing you out. Um, But what if you have a a pretty good job? You enjoy it. You you put yourself into it. No matter how good it is, give it a couple weeks, give it a a couple months, you're going to want a vacation. (laughs) Why? Because you don't have a limited store of energy. It's a normal part of being human. Another thing is your family. Now, I love my family, but sometimes my family can drive me nuts. Sometimes your family can wear you out. You love them. You want them to grow. You look at your kids and you want them to not only be successful, but to actually grow in the Lord, to actually thrive, to be everything that God's called them to be. But putting that much effort after working eight to ten hours in a day can wear you out. But it's not something you can cast off. It's something that you must hold. And so this is something normal. This is a part of the human condition. He's talking to each of us in particular and us universally. And then he says, take my yoke. Now, and I'm sorry, I keep moving. This is a very high podium, so I'm really short. Um, It says, take my yoke. Yoke in Jesus' time was actually a metaphor. It meant following a particular way of life or adhering to a certain group of principles. So in Jesus' day, if you were a Jew going to the synagogue and you, you know, the, the preacher, let's say, the rabbi Gamaliel came up and preached, and you were listening to him, and you're like, I like that. I want to learn about that. I want to grow in that. You would go to Gamaliel and metaphorically put his yoke upon you. You would yoke yourself to the teachings of Gamaliel. So when Christ says, take my yoke, he's saying, follow me. 
And he literally says right after that, learn from me. Christ is saying, follow me. Why you, how do you have rest in a yoke? It's by actually following Christ. Now, um, if someone came up to you and said, take my yoke, I'd be like, wait, I don't even know who you are. I, I, I don't know what, what, like, your character. I don't know what you do. But Christ explains why we come to him and take on his yoke. It says, all who labor, wait, not that one. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. The, the word gentle there um, actually is also uh, translated as meek and lowly in heart. But what Christ does here, okay, this is one of the most beautiful, okay, I'm, I'm a theologian. So this is one of the most beautiful theological statements that Christ can ever say to us. And this is why we have comfort and we can find rest in him. And Christ saying, I am gentle, he's saying that he's meek. Now, why would you come to someone who is meek? Why would you come unto someone who's gentle? Now, later in the scriptures, Jesus is actually talking to his disciples, and he says, I have to go. I must go away from you. And, and his disciples are freaking out. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. But I will send to you the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter. Now, meekness, by definition, means power in control. And so, it, it, it's power in control. And, and so, the word comforter that we find in that passage is the same construct for meekness. And the, the word comforter actually comes from the Latin. And the Latin is com forte. Com meaning with, and forte meaning power. So we have the Holy Spirit, and he's our comforter, he, but he is one who comes in power. And how is that comforting? Because when you have Almighty God with you, when the Holy Spirit is with you, when you have Almighty God, you can say, I'm not strong enough. I'm not wise enough. I can't do this. The Holy Spirit comes and says, maybe you can't, but I can. Maybe you're not strong enough, but I am. I am Almighty God with you. Maybe you're not wise enough, but I am. I am Almighty, all-knowing God with you. And when Almighty God is with you, there is a peace that passes all understanding, no matter what the world might throw at you. And so what is Christ saying when he says, I am meek? He's saying, I am Almighty God. Power in control. And then he juxtaposes it with this, gentle in spirit, or gentle in heart. What he's saying, Almighty God, at the same time, humble servant. I am gentle in spirit. I, 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 I am a servant, what was, as Paul says. And, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And, and what, what's beautiful, what theologically was beautiful about this passage, Almighty God, humble servant, the movement. God didn't just stay up there. He came down. And this is why it's comforting. This is why we take on his yoke. Because when Christ says, come unto me all you who are weary or heavy laden, it's not, come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden over there. It's, I come down to you. And when he says that, he's not just saying, you are weary and heavy laden. He's saying, I am too. I know. Why? Because he's truly God, almighty God, humble servant, truly man. He knows what it's like to be weary. He's no, he knows what it's like to be, to, to be fearful. 
I mean, look, look at when he, Christ was in the garden and he's sweating great droplets of blood because he's, he's scared of it. He's scared of going to the cross. He's scared of, of being separated with the Father. He was complete and total fellowship with the Father for all eternity. And now he's staring at the fact he's going to be separated from him. Christ knows weariness. It always flabbergasts me. Great word, flabbergasts me. When, when Christ is, you know, teaching and his disciples are like, you're tired. Let's, you know, get in the boat, go out to the, in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. You can rest. And they go out. He falls asleep, and then a storm comes. Like, how tired do you have to be? Lightning, thunder, waves crashing over, soaking you. You're getting soaked. You have disciples yelling and screaming and, and cursing and, str- like, don't know what to do. And you're fast asleep. I mean, I went to grad school. I mean, I faced 1,400, you know, reading weekends and thinking my professors wanted to kill me by doing so and, you know, passed out reading but how tired do you have to be for this to happen? Christ knows it. So whatever, whatever burdens you face, whatever struggles you face, as the writer of Hebrews says, we don't have a high priest, speaking of Christ, who cannot empathize with us, but one who is like us in all ways and yet without sin. And even with a portion of sin, the, uh, the Apostle Paul in, in Romans says, he actually became sin who knew no sin. Christ is not saying, you weak and you weary over there. No, he's saying, I know what it's like. And I'm here. And he wants to provide rest. Now, the word rest here is, is, is also purely, if you, don't, if you don't see it, I like definitions. Um, the word rest here is peculiar because it's not rest as in ceasing from work. The literal phrasing here in the Greek is, I will rest you. Which, if you like baseball, makes sense. If you have a pitcher who pitches eight, nine innings in a game, you know, he's already got the ice on the shoulder and he's, you know, sitting in the dugout. You don't go up to him and be like, that was a good game. Also, you're pitching tomorrow. You don't do that. You rest your pitchers. Why? Because there are more games ahead. And this is actually the implication of the rest that Christ wants to give. He wants to refresh us because there is more life ahead. There are more things he's called you to. So with First Kings, Elijah, right? He's, he's run away. He's lying under the tree. He's just like, I'm done. I'm, I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm burdened. I'm, I'm scared. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm no better than anyone else. God doesn't come with condemnation. God comes to him, lets him sleep, wakes him up, and says, food. And Elijah's like, okay, okay, okay. And then he's like, go back to bed. And he goes back to bed, and he wakes up, and God's like, food, you need it. Why? Because the journey in front of you is too great. You need this. And then he journeys. He journeys 40 days on the strength of that food. 40, the number of completion. Elijah completed his journey. And where did he go? Mount Horeb the mount of God, to meet God. Now, this is why we need 28 through 30 to actually make sense of 25 to 27. Christ is saying, come unto me, take my yoke, learn of me, follow me in the way. To where? To God. Because it says in 25 through 26, he talks about how... um, 
I praise you, Father, because you haven't, you know, showed this to the wise and learning who are, like, progressing society and trying to figure all these different things out. I've given it to little children. Why? Because they follow in faith. They know this. They follow in faith. And then he talks about how only the Father knows the Son and only the Son knows the Father and then those whom the Son reveals to the Father. Christ is like this, is telling you this. The journey is too great. I want to give you rest. And that rest comes in following me. Now I'll end with this. Real quick. Um, it's, it's another beautiful thing. And we're not, we're not going to go into further into the passage of 1 Kings 19. But it, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, when Elijah gets to Mount, of, Mount Horeb. You know, he gets in a cave. And then all, all of a sudden an earthquake erupts. And shakes the entire mountain. I mean, he's already freaked out, and now he's getting, you know, shaken in a mountain in a cave. But God was not in the earthquake. Then a whirlwind comes across and rips off rocks of the mountains as he's in the cave. But God is not in the whirlwind. Then a fire ravages across the mountain, but God is not in the fire. Then God comes to him in a still small voice like one who gets close and whispers in your ear. And so, as we are on this journey, we look toward our goal, Westminster Confession of Faith, what is the chief end of every person, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That is our goal, as, as it, it was in the Confession of Faith with Augustine. Our hearts are restless until they find our rest in you. That's our goal. And so often, um, just weary in thinking about that, we have to go all the way over there. But what Christ is also saying in this is this. Yes, that's our goal. But my yoke, I'm with you. Almighty God over there, Almighty God right here. And when he says, you will find rest for your souls, what he's saying is this. When, when, you're, when, you're, when you have your goal in mind and Christ is with you, rest here actually means harmony. Everything lines up to where it should go. So those things that you still have to hold on to, you have, still have to hold on to your responsibilities, you still have to hold on to the life you're leading, you still have to, you have to keep on pressing forward within these things. They find a new meaning. They find a new direction. Why? Because they're all directed toward God. In following Christ, your family is directed toward God. In following Christ, your job is now directed toward God. And when that happens, there is a beautiful harmony that takes place. Because it's not a job for a job's sake. It's not family for family's sake. It's not, you know, activities you do for activity's sake. They all find their place in who God is. They all find their place in the actual goal of living. And when we have that, that's when we find rest for our souls. Rest that's not ceasing. Rest that's, that's not stopping and not doing anything. But rest that is harmony, knowing that it all fits toward the one it was made for.